Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. I was in worship in a sanctuary full of actual people. But by the next Sunday, everything had changed. Most churches were empty, except for maybe a pastor or two and a musician. Almost overnight, our worship went virtual. We didn't know how long we'd be away from our sanctuaries and synagogues, our mosques, temples, and other holy spaces. A few weeks, we thought, maybe. But weeks turned into months, and months stretched over an entire year. Many of us never got used to worshiping from our couches at home. It simply couldn't replicate the same kind of worship in the flesh, in a holy space. But we adapted nonetheless. And in that adaptation, we were forced to confront the reality that God isn't confined to our sanctuaries. Our experience of COVID these past couple of years has invited me to interpret our two scripture readings for today in a new light. First, there's the story of Ezra that Ethan read, the story of the Israelites returning to Jerusalem to lay the first stone in the foundation of a new temple after something like 50 or 60 years in exile in Babylon. And look, I'm not trying to compare the Israelites' decades of exile under Babylonian rule to our two years of home quarantine under COVID's rule. Because the truth is, we survived with Netflix and grocery delivery and coffee makers, right? But reading their story of rebuilding their temple sparked so many questions that have been on our minds these past couple of years. What would church be like on the other side of COVID? What would go back to being just like it used to be? And what would never be the same again? Now fast forward 500 years from the story of Ezra and we arrive at our story in Acts today. A story that puts a spotlight on the very same temple being built in Ezra 3. Stephen, one of the original church deacons, is on trial before the Sanhedrin. That's the Jewish council in Jerusalem. And he's being accused of slandering the temple. The high priest asks Stephen whether the accusations are true. And Stephen responds in part saying, The tent of testimony was with our ancestors in the wilderness. Moses built it just as he'd been instructed Then God approved of David, who asked that he might provide a dwelling place for God. But it was Solomon who actually built a house for God. However, the Most High doesn't live in houses built by human hands. Let's unpack Stephen's defense for a moment. First, Stephen talks about the tent of testimony, also known as the tabernacle or the meeting tent which refers to the original dwelling place of God among the Israelites. You can think of it as a sort of portable sanctuary tent that the Israelites used throughout their 40 years wandering in the wilderness towards the promised land and even after they'd arrived there. 
Then Stephen talks about the first temple in Jerusalem, built by King David's son Solomon around 957 BCE. And that first temple lasted almost 400 years until the Babylonian invasion. And with the exception of those 50 or 60 years in exile, the Israelites always had a singular central dwelling place for God. And for nearly a thousand years, the first and second temples in Jerusalem were that dwelling place. The temple was the center of Jewish life and worship. And so Stephen's words in verse 48, that God doesn't live in houses built by human hands, surely provoked his accusers and the council who was hearing his trial. And if we read a few verses further, we see that Stephen's defense was unsuccessful and he was executed for his words. But there's one last wrinkle to this story that I want to reveal. A historical detail that I think makes this story even juicier. While we can't precisely date Stephen's trial, it seems likely it took place in the 30s or 40s, about five to ten years after Jesus' death. But the book of Acts wasn't written until much later, maybe 80 or 90 CE, so about 50 or 60 years after Jesus. And here's the critical historical detail. The second temple in Jerusalem, the one being built during Ezra's time, that temple was destroyed by the Roman Empire around 70 CE. And so even though Stephen lived while the second temple in Jerusalem was still standing, the book of Acts was written after the temple had been destroyed written during a time when Jews and Jewish Christians alike must have been wondering, how will we worship God when we can't gather in the temple? When will things go back to being like they used to be? And what if things are never the same again? And so like us during COVID, they had to adapt They had to learn to worship God in new ways and in new places. The earliest Christian communities were house churches, sort of like portable dwelling places for God that could pop up wherever God's people were gathered. This model served Christians well for generations, but just like the meeting tent eventually gave way to the temple in Jerusalem, house churches eventually morphed into a more institutionalized Christian church. In the early 4th century, the Roman emperor Constantine converted to Christianity, and that kicked off a new beginning for the church, a church that became a much more centralized, more powerful, and more bureaucratic institution under Roman sponsorship. For centuries, that institutional church grew in numbers and in power around the world. And in this country, that same institutional church has been at the center of culture and community since the first Europeans settled here. But I'm coming to you today with some sobering news. That institutional church at the center of culture is gone. It's dead. 
you can gasp now. So allow me to read you our obituary. It's written by theologian and sociologist Robert P. Jones in the prologue of his book, The End of White Christian America. He writes, after a long life spanning nearly 240 years, white Christian America, a prominent cultural force in the nation's history, has died. It first began to exhibit troubling symptoms in the 1960s when white mainline Protestant denominations began to shrink. Although examiners have not been able to pinpoint the exact time of death, the best evidence suggests that white Christian America finally succumbed in the latter part of the first decade of the 21st century. The cause of death was determined to be a combination of environmental and internal factors. Complications stemming from major demographic changes in the country, along with the religious disaffiliation of many of its younger members who began to doubt white Christian America's continued relevance in a shifting cultural environment. Throughout his book, Jones uses history and data to back up his argument that the church as we've known it for the first 200 plus years in this country has slipped away. And his conclusion is supported by a poll from Gallup released last spring, which found that for the first time in recorded history, less than half of Americans are part of a church or another religious community. When Gallup first asked that question in 1937, church membership was 73%. Throughout the 20th century, that number has never dipped below 20 or 68%. And as recently as 2000, it was still at 70%. But over the last 20 years, it's fallen precipitously. And church membership among my generation, millennials, is just 36%. Now, you may think that Robert Jones and others like him are maybe overreacting. But he's far from the only voice crying out in the wilderness. Recently, the prominent evangelical magazine Sojourners published an article titled, It's Time to Rethink the American Church. Their president, Reverend Adam Russell Taylor, wrote, We need to rethink our ecclesiology, our understanding of the nature of the church. Though being in fellowship and regular worship with other believers is a critical part of faith formation and discipleship, Church can't and shouldn't be confined to the four walls of a building. I believe that churches which fail to develop a more outward-focused mission will fail to meet the challenge of this moment, particularly in staying relevant to younger generations. Another theologian, Phyllis Tickle, found a creative analogy to describe our changing church, writing that the church cleans house roughly every 500 years, holding what she calls a giant rummage sale, deciding what to dispose of and what to keep, making room for new things. The last rummage sale was the Protestant Reformation, exactly 500 years ago. You may be wondering, where's the good news of the gospel in this message? 
Well, if there's one thing that we know as Christians fresh off of Lent, it's that while death is inevitable, it's not the end of the story. Easter comes after Good Friday. Death is followed by new life. But this death isn't just an interruption between our old life and our new one. It's a disruption. Things will never go back to the way they were before. They will never be the same. And so we need to stop asking, how can we build our church back into what it was 20 or 50 or 100 years ago? And I want to pause here for a moment and acknowledge that those are very hard words for us to hear. Understandably, there's sadness and grief and lament over what we've lost. Back in Ezra 3, after the first stone of the new temple is laid, a stone that scholars agree would have been recycled from the old temple, the text reads, many of the older priests and Levites and heads of families who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of the new temple. These aren't tears of joy. They're tears of grief. Very likely tears prompted by the realization that things would never be like they were before the exile. And yet this grief is mingled with joy for a new beginning. The very next verse in the story reads, But many others shouted loudly with joy. And no one could distinguish between the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping because the people rejoiced very loudly. As we face our own new beginning, we, Fairmount Presbyterian Church, we, the Presbyterian Church USA, we, the 21st century Christian church in the United States, we will experience moments of joy and grief and everything in between as God shapes us into something new. Look, starting over isn't easy. But it begins by asking, what new thing is God building with us? What will the church look like in 20 or 50 or 100 years? And when we've reflected on that, then we take stock of what we already have to build this new church and what we need to go out and find. We have people, faithful, caring, creative people, hungry for God's justice. Just look around you. But we need others to join us. And I don't mean we just need to grow our membership. I mean that we need to invite people into this faith community on purpose. People of different ages and races and sexual orientations and abilities who bring voices that we desperately need to hear among us. We have this beautiful building. But we need to reimagine how we use it more faithfully the under, other 160-plus hours a week outside of Sunday mornings. How can you envision 
innovative ways of using this space that could cultivate new life in our community. We have ministries and programs, ones that foster community and meaning and care among us, but much of our ministry isn't connecting with those people who we want to invite in, and so we need to experiment with different ways of doing ministry that reach new people. Finally, we have community connections, relationships with partners in our wider community to do justice and service, but we need to create new pathways out of these four walls that lead us deeper into God's beloved community that surrounds us. As we come to terms with the death of our church as we've known it, I pray for the wisdom to know what we can recycle like old stones put into a new foundation and what we must be ready to let go of. And I also pray for a new openness to God's continuing reformation of the church, a new openness to what God is building with us here and now. Amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.